0: Well, I think there are some of you here this week that were here last week. But apparently, you forgot
1: what I said last week because you're here this week. So I'll remind you,
0: last week, I told you what I was going to talk about this week. And I said...
1: I'm going to show you where the Bible says you have to do everything I say. And yet you showed up anyway. Well, here it is.
0: This is Hebrews 13:17. Obey your leaders and submit to them.
1: There you have it. Is that crazy? Obey your
0: leaders and submit to them. And this is, by the way, referring to leadership in the church. Though the scripture also says to obey the governing authorities...
1: Submit to them.
0: They're not even Christians. Well, some of them might be these days, but when that was written, they weren't.
1: (coughs) This seems like a big commitment.
0: Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Oh, So there's a reason for uh, obeying your leaders and submitting to them. Then it says, there's something more. Not to just obey them and submit to them, but let them do this with joy and not with grief. So, not only do you have to do what I say, you also have to make me happy
1: while doing it. This sounds great. When are you going to start?
0: Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For this would be unprofitable for you. Oh, so there's something in it for you.
1: Well, we got to figure this out. What does this mean?
0: Well, we need to try to fit it into the book of Hebrews figure out what it means you know he already said something about people who had a function of leading in the lives of these hebrews christians that was in verse 7 remember those who led you that those these were the guys who once were their leaders who were their original leaders and he says remember them and what, what does he say? Uh, those who spoke the word of God to you. So those who actually led you to Christ in the first place. Uh, and then he says, consider the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Well, the result of their conduct was we came to Christ. And so I need to think about that and I need to imitate the sort of faith those guys who led me to Christ exhibited. That is, in the book of Hebrews, the faith that sticks with Jesus no matter what. So that was his first mention of leaders. But now he's talking about the leaders that they might obey now. So these leaders are the people who are in the place of leadership in their lives, in the church, in the present. Whereas the first group was the guys in the past. So now this is in a list uh, of commandments that we've been looking at. This is in the context of going out to Jesus outside the camp. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, running with endurance the race set before us. Don't forget, what's he say? Let the love of the brothers continue. Don't neglect hospitality to strangers. Remember prisoners. Honor marriage. <laughs> Honor marriage. It's an interesting thing to throw in the middle of this list. We talked about that. Make sure your character's free from the love of money. This is the list. Remember those who led you? And then he goes back into the character of Christ. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. Don't be carried away by varied and strange teachings. Oh, that's going to be important. It's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by food. Through those, through which those who were so occupied were not vain. You might remember... He's talking about we serve at the altar of Christ, the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, and we bring the sacrifice of praise, which is the thanksgiving sacrifice, the fruit of lips that confess the name.
1: Oh, and don't neglect doing good and sharing. Don't forget to be reflectors
0: of the goodness of God. Don't forget to become generous the way Jesus is generous. Then we come to this, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, I would suggest to you, this is not some random list of commandments that the guy just happened to think of while he was writing this. All these things are part of the life that is a sacrifice of praise. That is what we spoke about a few minutes ago when we talked about presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly pleasing to God. Trusting ourselves to him. And when I trust myself to him, I make myself available to him. So what? how does this obey your leaders and submit to them fit into that? That's the question. Well, let's just figure out what this sentence means exactly. It uses the word obey. Now, this is an interesting word for obey. They're simpler words than this that just mean what i said earlier just do whatever the guy says that kind of obey this isn't exactly that this is a word that's related to the word for believe Trust, the word for faith in the New Testament, it's related to that. And the root of these words is the concept of being persuaded. So he could have written this, be persuaded by your leaders. Oh, that's a little different. Because this has not just to do with How you behave yourself, this has to do with what you think and believe. You could translate this, put your confidence in your leaders. Trust them. Follow them. And when we say follow, we mean like follow their teaching, their way of thinking. that's interesting. Now, of course, that might lead you to behave in a certain way, I suppose. But it's not primarily I tell you what to do and you do it kind of obey. It's more like, here's how you ought to look at it, and then you look at it that way. That kind. I think it's the kind of obey that uh, the Scripture talks about when it exhorts us to obey to the obedience of faith. That is the the obedience that trusts God in
1: Christ.
0: Or when Jesus says, "This is the will of God. This is the will of God that you believe in the one He sent." That sort of obey. And that believe means more than, uh, you know, accept certain things as true. It means to trust a person.
1: Well, but then it does say submit. Okay, so I'm covered either way.
0: But this word is also not the usual word. Or submit, you know, submit to one another in love. And that means to put yourself below. That's the normal word for submit, but this isn't that word. This word means to yield, to give way.
1: So this is a much more... uh, Responsible sort of submitting that listens and thinks and decides.
0: So, this sort of leadership, when this sort of leadership is exercised, it doesn't just expect you to thoughtlessly go along. It expects you to thoughtfully go along. And I would tell you this, not until you are persuaded. So, for example, we have an offering every Sunday. You could give money to that offering. And what we say about offerings in general is, if you can think of something you'd rather do with that money, do that. Don't give it to us. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. We don't need your money. The Lord has all the money and he can see to us. So the reason we take an offering is not so that we can get money. It's so that God's people can become generous people. And participate in the work of the church in a very concrete way. And unless you're completely persuaded about that, keep your money. If you can think of something you'd rather spend it on, then don't spend it here. That's what I mean by persuaded. That's what this obey means. Be persuaded. Come to believe. So that there's no... uh, lack of integrity in one's heart
1: in disobedience. Well, that puts some pressure on me, I have to say. Leaders. What are leaders? He doesn't say pastor
0: or elder or bishop. He could have. Is those are who the leaders are those are the offices of leadership in the church but he uses the word leader it's the same word it's a noun but it's the same word he used in verse 7 when he said he said remember those who led it literally says remember the leaders And this also is a very interesting word. This same word is used in James 2. I'm going to read James 2 to you, see if you can figure out which word is this word. Here, here it is. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials.
1: This word, leader, is in that verse.
0: I'll read it to you again. See if you can spot the word. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. The word is consider, think. Think of it this way, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. That very same word gets used to identify
1: a leader. A leader is a guide,
0: a thought leader. He's someone who considers things for you. He's someone in a group, or she, is someone in a group who figures out how to think about things for the group. well, how's that going to play out? Well, I could figure out things for the group or the elders of the church could figure out things for the group or the leader of a Bible study could figure out things for the group. Then what? There's a necessary communication, right? If I figure out things for the group, so what? If I don't share what I figure out with you, it won't matter. I'm not really a leader if I'm just the one figuring things out. I might be a leader if I can also persuade you. And so there's a correspondence between the word for leader in this text and the word for obey. Because what leaders have to do is consider, persuade And what you're called upon to do, or all of us, including me, I also have leaders. What we're called upon to do in response to that is to be persuaded. To yield ourselves to that persuasion.
1: So, are we starting to get it? Leaders. Persuade. The rest of us are persuaded. That's the key
0: idea in this sentence. Now, this does lay on the believers in any church a duty to be persuaded. That means, whatever church you are a part of, you are called upon by the Word of God to. Be persuaded by the leaders of that
1: church. To, well, let's put it this way when they teach, you try to learn. That's the simple way of saying this responsibility. You want to understand. Why? Well,
0: this is why. It says, they keep watch over your souls. They will give an account. They're responsible. Man, this, uh, you know, the more I think about this, the worse it gets for me and the better it gets for you. Because this says, they will give an account. In other words, I might be called upon to explain
1: how persuaded you are.
0: But before we get to that, let's talk about this. They keep watch. They keep watch. That is a very interesting expression in this context. Because keeping watch is exactly what it sounds like they stand guard, they stay awake when everyone else is asleep,
1: they take the night watch.
0: That implies some kind of threat, some danger, something we must guard against keeping watch. They keep watch over your souls. Now, the word for soul here is just suke, it could just mean your lives or your direction in life, your soul.
1: But this idea of keeping watch it makes me it begs this question what is the threat It's
0: right in the text Bibles like that usually when it raises a question the answer to the question is right nearby Here it is Got to go back to Hebrews Verse 9 of chapter 13. Do not be carried away. Oh, there's a danger. Do not be carried away. And if we think about the whole context of the book of Hebrews, the whole thing is written in response to a threat that people might
1: abandon Christ.
0: Crazy. Don't be carried away by very varied and strange teachings, doctrines. It's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods. And that means the heart is strengthened by the comprehension of the gospel, the good news of God's grace in Christ, and not by religious duty so any a strange or varied teaching might be anything that would distract your line of sight away from Jesus that's the hazard that's the hazard any understanding of your situation that would lead you to walk away from relying on Christ. That's the danger. That's what I'm supposed to keep watch about. And that's what any person in any position of leadership in the body of Christ is supposed to be keeping watch about. Any wandering from another thing in this text, the confession of the name. What is Hebrews constantly exhorting us? Hold fast the confession of your hope. Don't let that go. And so I am called upon to keep watch about how tight is your grip on the Lord
1: Jesus. Any wandering away from the
0: Good Shepherd. Here's what the leaders in the earlier in verse 7 did they spoke the Word of God to you. Oh, well, that's a big giant clue. So, what am I supposed to do? Speak the Word of God. Here's what I would like to observe about all of this. This is entirely a matter of truth
1: and error. What is true and what is not true.
0: And I am called upon to shelter you from falling for things that are not true. And so, Wandering away from the thing, I should say, the person who is the truth with a capital T.
1: Jesus.
0: The principal function of leaders in the body of Christ is persuasion in the truth. And you're called upon in this text to see if you can be persuaded into the
1: truth. Try to follow
0: the truth. I will try to make the truth as clear as possible. And to
1: warn when I see falsehood in the world
0: around us. Now he says, let them do this with with joy, not grief. (laughs) This is literally saying, don't make this hard. Don't make it hard. Don't make it difficult for leaders in the church to lead. Try to follow. Try to keep up. They're watching out for you. Let them watch out for you. And by the way, any one of us from time to time is functioning in the place of the leader in this equation. And what is the focus of our leadership? The truth embodied in the person, Jesus
1: Christ. So, he says, don't be making it hard
0: for the leader to persuade you of the truth. Now, as I'm thinking about this, this made me think of those famous skeptics in the new testament you know who i'm talking about the famous skeptics in the new testament are the berean christians you remember them in the book of acts in acts chapter 17. and in acts chapter 17 well you can turn there if you like because we're going to look at this acts chapter 17. read about these these people brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Now, the brethren in this case are the brethren in, uh, where were they? Uh, Thessalonica. Okay, so the Thessalonian brothers, uh, there was trouble. So they sent Paul and his entourage, including Silas, away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. That's what they did. Now, these, the Bereans were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. For they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Now, most of us, when we read that verse, we only read the last phrase, the last clause, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so, what Paul and Silas were telling them. And in the modern age, at least, we tell you, you need to be the Bible watchdog.
1: On the basis of this
0: verse, we, call the, we, we make the Bereans some kind of sanctified skeptics, Well, what I want to point out to you is that is not at all what this verse means. And you could have been taught that. It's very likely, in fact, that you have been taught that. That your job as the congregation is to check everything I say according to Scripture. Now, I'm really trying very hard never to say anything that is not according to Scripture. And I don't mind if you check. Doesn't bother me. That is not, this, that the way we teach this verse about in Acts chapter 17 often contradicts what Hebrews just told us, which is, let yourself be persuaded.
1: Well, so what does it say?
0: First of all, it says they're noble-minded. And that means something. These Berean Christians were more noble-minded than those in Oh, and it compares them to the ones in Thessalonica. That's important. Because what happened in Thessalonica? Well, it's at the beginning of Acts chapter 17. They came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue, and according to Paul's custom, he went to them, and for three Sabbaths he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Who's watching the scriptures? Paul. uh, Explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. And saying, this Jesus whom I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded. And joined Paul and Silas along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. That's where they were staying. They were seeking to bring them out to the people. They began dragging Jason out.
1: There was a riot
0: in Thessalonica. So that is why the passage we read earlier the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away at night. They said, you guys have to
1: get out of town. And they went to Berea.
0: Now, these Bereans were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Well, I hope so. Because those Thessalonians were not noble-minded. What does noble-minded mean? It means ready to learn something. Noble-minded people are curious. Noble-minded people want to see how that works, want to understand, raise interesting questions. There's a difference between an interesting question and a skeptical question
1: noble-minded people think you might have something to teach them.
0: Okay, so they were noble-minded. What's the second thing? They received the word with great eagerness. It tells you that before it tells you that they examined the scriptures to see if this was true. So, what happened first? They were noble-minded. They received the word with great eagerness. They were They loved the message that Paul preached, the gospel. They grabbed onto it right away. They said, Oh, that's fantastic. They didn't say, Yeah, let's see if that's right. No. They heard it and they received it with eagerness like, Oh, so that's it. and then they examined the scriptures daily <clears throat> the word examine the scriptures here the word examine means to build a case they checked the case so here's what really happened in berea <clears throat> these people who were who loved to learn when paul came along they heard what Paul said, and they received it gladly. And then they said, let's find that in the Bible. Paul, as we already read in Thessalonica, when Paul preached it, he showed it from the Bible. And then these guys went and found it more. That's what happened. Not because they were skeptical of whether what Paul was telling them was true, but Because they wanted to see it for themselves in the Scripture. So I'm afraid what we do with this verse in Acts is mostly misuse it. Because what the Bereans really were was an example of the exhortation we're reading in Hebrews. They wanted to be persuaded. They got engaged in being persuaded so completely that they went and started persuading themselves from the scriptures. They recognized that the scriptures were the source of the truth about this matter. And so they went and found it. That's what happened. Now again, I don't want to object when anyone wants to say let's figure out what is true by reference to the Bible. Of course. But this is not Honoring a group of people for being
1: skeptical. It's
0: honoring them for being good
1: students. So, be a
0: good student. So, certainly, study the scripture. And if you run across something in the scripture that doesn't sound like what I say, I wish you'd let me know. Because my goal
1: is to make the scripture clear to you. The Bereans weren't skeptics
0: checking to see whether the preaching was true. They embraced the gospel. They set out to find it and not to disprove it. They were eager learners. They were an example of
1: obey your leaders and submit to them.
0: So I want to close today by giving you some pointers about how to spot a leader you should follow because this is dangerous. This sort of exhortation that says obey your leaders and submit to them.
1: It's getting a little scary.
0: This exhortation And, of course, they're keeping watch, so there's danger. And that means there are leaders you shouldn't obey and submit yourselves to. In the broad group of people that calls itself the church, oh my goodness, that's where the worst danger is. That's where the false teaching is. That's where the enemy most wants to distort the truth. So how do you spot a leader you should follow? And by the way, this does mean you should be very careful when you go about to find a
1: church to belong to. You should be careful. So I want to talk about uh you know what kind of leader
0: you should follow. And to do that I want to look, look at Second Timothy chapter one first, second Timothy one thirteen, where Paul the apostle is addressing Timothy the pastor trainer this is all about leadership in the body and he says this retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus
1: guard guard
0: there we are keeping watch Through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. What is that treasure? The gospel. The gospel. The standard
1: of sound words. Which you've heard from me. Have we heard the sound words from Paul? We're reading them
0: right here. Retain, retain, guard it. Guard the treasure of sound words, the treasure of the gospel truly understood. In chapter two, he says, the things which you have heard from me, okay, same thing, The things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Teach. Teach. In that one sentence, there's four generations of teaching. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others. What is the thing here? Pass down the sound words.
1: Carefully.
0: The sound words. The treasure of the good news of God's grace. Well, this is very fitting with Hebrews, where we're told to not wander off into anything that might distract us from the good news of Reconciliation to God in Christ. Okay, in verse 15 of 2 Timothy 2: Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. When Paul is writing to Timothy and teaching Timothy what to do to train pastors and elders, he's saying over and over and over, what really matters is how do you handle the Scripture, the Word of Truth, and the Gospel message of it.
1: We went back to... First Timothy, chapter four. Verse 12, let no one look down on your
0: youthfulness, but rather, in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example. He's saying, look, Timothy, uh, you know, you're a young person, people might not respect your teaching because you're you know what do you know you're too young it says no don't don't fall for that don't be discouraged by that uh instead show yourself an example of what those who believe those who are persuaded those who trust themselves to Christ. And the verse right before that, 1 Timothy 4.11, prescribe and teach these things. What things? We have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. That's verse 10. Prescribe and teach that teach explain indoctrinate persuade so on the basis of that if you're thinking about should is this a leader i should follow and by the way if you spend any time watching preachers on the internet i sure wish you will pay attention to what i am about to say because There are preachers on the internet who will do nothing but distract you from the gospel. It is a minefield of varied and strange teachings. So, first, the way you spot a leader you should follow is the person is Christ centered. Christ-centered. This is about the confession of the name. The sacrifice of praise which acknowledges the sacrifice of Christ. The, this person is focused on Christ. They are not distracted by other things. They are a person who can say, follow me as I follow Christ. And when they say they're following Christ, they are following Christ. They are never pointing you to themselves. They are pointing you to Him. If you watch a preacher and he's pointing you to himself or to his ministry or to anything he might advise you to do in order to get yourself right with God, run! Run!
1: The scripture specifically warns against preachers for profit. He
0: is, according to this text, an example of those who believe. Those who are possessed with Jesus Christ. So he's Christ-centered. That's going to mean if he's Christ-centered, he's not an innovator. He's not coming up with a lot of new stuff. He's trying to preach you the ancient word, not something he came up with last week. He's not an innovator, he's a contender. He contends for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints, as the book of Jude has it. The gospel. He's not distracted, or she is not distracted by the latest church fads. Or methods. Methods aren't really a big deal to the leader you should follow. Now, they don't it's not a good for them to be stupid in their methods, but methods aren't the point. They aren't coming some up with some way to sell you on something. They are proclaiming the truth. The faith once and for all delivered, not distracted by the latest church stuff. There is a lot of fads in the church. My old pastor used to call it church in a box. So you could go into the Bible bookstore and buy a kit that would you could take to any group of people and make a church out of it. Uh, this guy, this woman, this leader is not too concerned about his relevance. Now, he's not trying to be irrelevant, but he's not so worried about, you know, how does the gospel or how do do you preach the word in a way that makes practical sense in your life. When the word comes to that, I'm going to give it to you. But the main message of the word is not that. It's not anything about what you do. It's about what God has done. And so this Christ-centered leader feeds on grace. Feeds on grace. That's from the text, right? It's better to be fed by grace than by foods, by the religious practice. And that means this leader is not a legalist. He doesn't end up by telling you, therefore you must... He might preach the law to you in order to get you to need grace. That's a whole other thing. And once you have grace, He might share the law with you as an opportunity, not a requirement, not a demand, not a do this or else. He's not focused on law. He's not a moralist. When you come into this church... This is not about moral improvement. If that happens as a consequence of this, great. And I expect it will. But that is not the point. The point is what God has done, not what you might do. But probably won't. So the leader you should follow is telling you more about what God's done than what God requires of you. And if he tells you what God requires of you, it's mostly to tell you, good luck with that. You're never going to make it. You need Christ. Grace. This is the function of the law of God given in this law of God. It says that the law was given in order to lead us to Christ. To make us need a Savior. Another thing we want to say about this leader is he is utterly committed to the authority and the sufficiency of the Bible. If you come to a leader who's hedgy on the authority of the Bible, <sighs> When I speak to you, I have no authority of my own. If what I say has any authority in your life, it's because I have been faithful to God's word. And what God says has the authority of God. The Bible has the authority of God. So I really shouldn't say the authority of the Bible. I should say God's authority in the Bible. And this leader, who you should follow, guards, 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 has his eye out for any rival authority, including his own.
1: He is keeping
0: watch. So if you are watching some preacher who claims to be giving you some new word from God, run. If he is not expositing the the light of the word of God to you, get away. He needs to be committed The Bible. And then the last thing, this leader that you might follow needs to be effective in sound teaching. That's what Paul is exhorting Timothy here. He's saying, look, you need to be effective in sound teaching, rightly, correctly handling, accurately handling the Word of God, spelling it
1: out like it really is.
0: So if you're going to be a part of a church you need to look and see are they effective in sound doctrine? Do they know how to look at the Bible? That's a complicated project. What's the right way to read Leviticus?
1: Or Ruth? How do you
0: How do you study the Bible in its correct context? Oh, and it has also a historical context. So when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he wrote in a situation. Do you know anything about it? You need the skill to understand and teach the Bible in context because that's how you teach it truthfully honestly, for real, and you're always working on it. And this is a project we are all working on in the church. So this leader that you want to follow is someone who understands how the doctrines of the church developed in the course of the life of the history of the church.
1: It's a big project. So, obey your leaders and submit to them. Choose your leader wisely. Hopefully, I will see you again next week.
0: (laughs) I will assure you that everything on this list is my heart's desire. Whether I'm always getting there is another subject, obviously. But I want to be absolutely Christ centered. I'm not trying to invent something new. I'm trying to teach you what is in the book. I want us to feed on grace, not try to make ourselves acceptable. I, I want us to be committed to the authority of the Bible and to be effective in understanding what it says. That is my goal. So I hope you can be persuaded. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace, for your love and mercy in Christ. Thank you for the scripture,
1: for the wealth
0: of knowledge that we have in it. Lord, help us to be faithful to you and our faithfulness to your word.
1: Lord, we give you thanks, in Jesus' name.